Hey all, this is Sean Gerber. Thank you for listening today, but before we get started, I have a couple of questions for you. Are you caught in the daunting maze of CISSP preparation, unable to find your way forward? That's precisely where I found myself when I began studying for the CISSP. Overwhelmed would be an understatement. There are now an ocean of CISSP training programs available, and are you unsure which ones to trust? I remember the struggle, but there was nothing accessible to me outside of the pricey boot camps. And that's precisely why CISSP Cyber Training came into existence, to illuminate your pathway towards acing the CISSP exam. At CISSP Cyber Training, I've forged the CISSP blueprint into a step-by-step guide to navigate you through the intricacies of the CISSP journey designed to provide you the direction and guidance you need to pass the CISSP exam confidently. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to what one of my students, Kevin Fallon, had to say about the CISSP blueprint. This is precisely what I needed in your course, direction. The blueprint is the perfect roadmap to stay on track. I appreciate its clarity and tangible sense of progress it brings. A phenomenal tool for revision. And then there was another from Christopher Wagstaff. Sean Gerber, your guidance was invaluable throughout the CISSP study and certification process. Thank you for breaking the monotony. Once you've wrapped up with the podcast, make your next stop, CISSPCybertraining.com, and let's together turn the tide in your favor, meeting your CISSP goals and catapulting your career in cybersecurity. Now, without further ado, let's get going. Giddy up. Welcome to the Reduce Cyber Risk Podcast, where we give you the tools you need to meet your regulatory requirements while helping keep the evil hacker horde at bay. Hi, my name is Sean Gerber, and I'm your host for this action-packed, informative podcast. Join me each week as I provide the information you need to best protect your business and reduce your company's cyber risk. All right, let's get going. Okay, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the the follow-up on cybersecurity insurance and some key points around it. So first off is minimum security practices. So in the initial, the last episode, we kind of talked a little bit about how, what you need to consider as far as exclusions and so forth. And we also talked about how the minimum security practices, if you have those in place for your business, you can potentially reduce the premiums associated with the insurance for your business. So the key thing you need to do is there's no defined thing that you have to do a certain way to make your security for your business. There's no minimum security practice document that says, go do it this way. However, it needs to define by you and you need, but it needs to resemble current best practices. So what are some current best practices? Well, NIST put out the cybersecurity framework um, for critical infrastructure, and that would be one. There's also the ISO 27001, which is another one. There's NIST, National Institute for Standards and Technology, 800-53, that's another one. So there's multiple frameworks, and the frameworks can be kind of confusing, and we're going to provide some training here at Reduce Cyber Risk and some of the other things that I'll be putting out there that will give you what you need to basically walk through from beginning to end on building out a framework for your business. And we're focusing specifically, as we mentioned before, on small and medium businesses on how what you can do to protect the security around your company and put the security in place to protect your company. So one of the key things around a minimum security practices is a secure network design. What does that mean? So let's just say you've got a small business, okay, 100, 500 people, whatever that might be, 
and you have wireless in your business, but you don't protect it. You don't lock it down. You don't do anything in place for that security around the wireless of your business. And so anybody can log on from anywhere that's around your building and get into your network. That would be an insecure network design, okay? Bad idea. Don't do it, right? So that's setting you up for a lot of issues. So I recommend you get with an IT professional to help you as you define your network and what is secure. Now, I caveat that with this. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't make this more complicated than it has to be. And I will say from an IT professional, many times we make it way more complicated than it must be. You need to decide for your business what is the minimum that you need to be secure. The more you complex you make it and the more Gucci you make it, what ends up happening is, is you actually increase the vulnerability chance within your organization. And you don't want it that to happen. So you got to have enough to do what you need to do, but you don't need to go overboard so that you don't open up yourself to more vulnerabilities. Data The other point I have on here on secure network design is data encryption. What does that mean? So an example is, let's just say you have a point and a point, and you have data talking to each other through these points, right? And it's protected in a, an encrypted tunnel. So the tunnel and the talkie-talkie, they're good to go, right? Everything's encrypted, awesome. But the data lands on a little, let's go a database server, uh, and on a database, and it's sitting in that database. Now, the data at quote-unquote rest is sitting there. Is it protected? Well, is it encrypted? Don't know. So you need to understand from a security, for your insurance standpoint, what are they talking about encryptions required? What does that mean? Does that mean the fact that all of it has to be in place from talk to talk, from beginning to end, or just in the middle, right? So that's, don't just focus on a word and say, well, yeah, I got encryption, yay, okay, I got a password, it's encrypted, yay. That, that may or may not work. You just have to decide. And you need to ask the insurance companies as you're getting these policies. Utilize known standards. So an example I've just mentioned about is cybersecurity framework for critical infrastructure. It's also the 27001. Use a framework, which is basically guidelines on how to do what you're trying to accomplish. The challenge is, is these can be very big and onerous. Example, NIST 853. That thing is like 80 pages long. If you want to go to sleep, read it. Okay, it is it's boring, right? Especially if you're someone who's used to making a business. You're like, this stuff is just mind-numbingly painful. So the recommendation is go online, see what's available for you. We're going to have some things that reduce cyber risk to help you with that. But bottom line is find somebody out there that can help you, guide you through that process. If you can afford a security professional, do it. Get them, put them on the books. If you can put them on retainer to help you, do it. Put them on the books. If you can't do either one of those, don't worry about it. So again, use some known standards on how you're going to do that for your business. The key things you need to think about with your cybersecurity is also terms and conditions, the T's and C's. Those are the ones that are going to get you every time. And so you need to understand what is that language, what is the fine print, and how does it work? Get a lawyer to help you with that. I, I recommend it. Do not rely on a guy like me to help you because you know what? I'll probably let you down. I can give you guidance or somebody like me can give you guidance on what that means. However, if you ha are in doubt, Get a lawyer to help you with it. And I highly recommend a cybersecurity lawyer if you can make that happen. Uh, also, there's little standards right now for around what the policies include. So what does that consider? Uh, if you could consider like an, a life insurance policy. You kind of know these are the way they're set out, right? They do lots of little things to tweak them. But at the end of the day, you have a pretty good idea of how a life insurance policy is set up. Cybersecurity, man, it's all over the place. And a lot of it comes down to which size of your business. Do you have security in place? Do you understand what the heck you're reading? You know, it, it will vary company to company. 
And the thing is, though, is cybersecurity as a whole, the insurance market is exploding. So there's money there from the insurance company standpoint. So you're because of that, they're going to have many more products available for you. Um, the one other point to think about is discovery. So a point of it is you come in and you go, okay, I've been breached. When did you discover that? Was it Billy Bob, your IT guy, figured it out? Or is the fact that all of a sudden you see all of your pictures of your puppies online? I don't know. The point of it is is that they have they have points in there that may say you have to let them know within a period of time, within a couple days of knowing when there was a breach. Okay, you got to ask the question to the insurance company. What does that mean? What do you consider a breach? And when should you be notified of that breach? Okay, so that's important knowledge because it can take weeks, days, months, years even to get uh, to find out that you've been pwned, that you've been owned by by somebody. The other thing is accidental disclosure. Is there a point in there about the fact that you disclose one of your employees disclosed something about your business? Okay, so say they just accidentally disclosed a bunch of data that was on your server. Is that covered under your cyber insurance policy? Don't know. There's another question you need to ask. What are all that fine tooth? What are the different animals around this? Because it can move all different directions. Other one that I didn't even know about until I was talking to a friend of mine is this new uh, the uh, virtual assistants using Alexa. Do, do you use that within your business? Is there a call out in the insurance policy saying, well, if you use that and you get breached because of that, you don't get paid? I don't know, but you need to consider all those aspects. So the other, now, some other points that are exclusions. Now, these are the gotchas. First one is cyber terrorism. Um, have the insurance company define what is cyber terrorism? Because what I mean by that is, is it the ISIS or the the bad guys, Al-Qaeda, or somebody like that that's hacking into your system? That's considered cyber terrorism. We won't pay for it is what they're going to say. Okay, But let's just say it's the guy down the streets, the kid down the street that hacks into your Wi-Fi because you left it open, steals all your stuff. Um, does that cyber terrorism? And he left a big note that's saying, I hate you because you have green hair and purple eyeballs. You know, is that cyber terrorism? I don't know. Or if he says, I'm going to go ahead and blow up your dog. I don't know. Understand what that means when they say those keywords. Intellectual property. Are they willing to pay for it? So does your business have gobs and gobs of money or investment in intellectual property? So you created this widget that's worth bazillions of dollars and that IP is just everything and they get stolen and they come back and say you know what we're gonna give you 50 bucks for it is that really what you want how much of that IP are they gonna cover and what are the terms under around that IP in which they will cover it governmental claims if you have a business and you deal with the government ie vendors that work for gov on government contracts now have to have a security program in place they have to meet certain requirements well let's just say you get hacked is that included what are the fines associated with that? Are they going to pay for those? Negligence, failure of the business to meet the security standards. So you set up these standards. You say, I'm going to do these standards, and you don't do them. You don't follow them. Okay, so you went through the effort to make these standards going, well, I've got my standards, check box, done, but you actually don't do anything with it. Well, then what, is that, what does that mean? Do you not get paid? Encryption, we talked about encryption too. They say encryption is, is void if it's not used. What does that mean? Is that point to point? Is that from beginning to end? What does that mean? Understand those exclusions. Bottom line, cybersecurity insurance can reduce or transfer your liability risk, but you got to understand the fine print behind it. Because if you don't, you're, you're going to end up going in for asking, hey, I've been breached. I want my cybersecurity insurance that I paid good money for. And they go, sorry, you're out of luck. Sorry, dude. So consider that.
All right. Hope you enjoyed this. I was on cybersecurity and we talked about the insurance today and what's available to you, the different exclusions and so forth. But I hope you enjoyed it. Check us out at ReduceCyberRisk.com or just check us out on YouTube or over here on any other course that I may have out there available. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening today as it was my pleasure to prep you for the CISSP exam. But are you interested in some free CISSP exam questions? Head on over to CISSPQuestions.com and sign up to join my email list and you will gain access to 30 free CISSP questions each and every month. That's a total of 360 questions just for signing up with CISSP Cyber Training. You will also gain access to other free resources, so just head on over to FreeCISSPQuestions.com or CISSPCyberTraining.com and sign up today. All right, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you.